Hi, welcome to discussions of music, healing, and consciousness with your hosts, Chris Noble and Bill Prosman. In this episode, we're going to talk about sound therapy and more specifically, one of the major tools that sound therapists use, which are crystal healing bowls. What are crystal healing bowls and why are they so effective? We'll be sharing our experiences receiving sound healing through the crystal healing bowls, among other forms of sound healing. We'll get into specifics as to what happens to the brain and what happens to your mind, body, and spirit when experiencing sound therapy. We'll be giving you lots of tips and tricks with how to search for sound frequencies that can help you in your day-to-day life. We'll be talking about these topics and much more, as always, in these open conversations here on discussions of healing, music, and consciousness. As a musician, one of the coolest things was to start playing piano over top singing bowls. Yeah. It kind of blew my mind. I don't know what your experience has been like. Well, so uh, years ago, I worked with a Tibetan bowl player and a really interesting thing how it all lined up and came into play but that's sort of the nature of healing music right it just kind of evolves and uh, we thought hey let's do this thing and we'll you know concertize together and we did and we had such fun with it i had a you know the grand piano at the time and nice. no mics it was all acoustic it was an amazing uh experience actually to do and uh, then she moved back to Texas or someplace, and I was stuck in California, and we decided to make an album. So the album was done entirely by just emailing tracks, and there was a guy who played native flutes, and he was on, he did, took care of the whole mixing and the whole thing. Came out pretty good. You know, it's a pretty, pretty decent album. I guess I should probably say it's out there, and you can find it. I was it. about it, to ask you, where yeah. can I find that? <laughs> Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, whatever your your music service is. It's called Bill Equilibrium. Yeah, you can see the three names. It's like the world's longest artist name mm. because the first name is the flute player, Cornell Kinderconnect. <laughs> Good luck spelling that. But Cornell, um, who is you know amazing, and then Jody Roberts, who plays the bowls. Um, I think she's now on the East Coast somewhere, but she's a healing shaman and, and a Tibetan bowl master and just all this stuff. And Bill Protzman, Equilibrium. Uh, go for it, everybody. It's out there and, and enjoy. And there are, I think, seven tracks, one for each tone of the, of the natural scale, oh, starting on C up to B. Um, some people think those notes are related to the chakras. At the time, it wasn't in 432 hertz. It was 440, but who cares? The bowls yeah. are you know, all over the place. Anyhow, Still super healing. So super great stuff, had a great time. And um, we did the album, we did a couple of concerts actually somewhere in Texas and um, wh- what a great experience. I mean, I know what it's like to receive that kind of music because I've received much more of it than I've performed, but the the act of performing that, I know you know this too, even though it looks like a concert, it's really a healing experience. Oh yeah. And that healing extends to the music makers as well as the music receivers. And what a wonderful thing to be in sync that way, you know, around this thing we call sound healing. And we did one in Texas at a yoga studio and um, where was it? It was in San Antonio or someplace. People brought in yoga mats and they just were lying there on the floor, you know, taking it all in. (laughs) It was the greatest concert. You know, it's like you weren't even playing for people. You're just playing like with them, Mm. you know, just being with them in the space. And um, what, what an event that was. So, um, more of that coming up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next collaboration I'm doing um, with an amazing Tibetan bull. Uh, do we call them masters? Sure. Sounds her good. Her name, me. her name, her, not a master. I mean, the whole pronoun thing anymore. Uh, Dion Mandel. And I'm looking forward to that. We're going to get together in a couple of weeks and Wonderful. see what we can do. And oh, to have a grand piano again. <laughs> oh, man. You are preaching to the choir. I haven't played one, uh, an acoustic grand. And I don't even want to know how long it's been a long time though. Damn. It's uh it's a special experience playing. I think it's like with anyone, like you don't have to be a piano player or a musician, but we all have our, um, you know, if you're really into cars and you get to drive that Ferrari that you've always wanted yeah. to drive, or, you know, if you're really into, uh, I just think of skiing for some reason, my dad's really into skiing. So you get a, this gorgeous pair of downhill skis, all of a sudden you can feel like you're invincible and, yeah. you know, like whatever the thing hobby that you love, and you get the best equipment for it. I mean, it it does feel so good, you know. <laughs> totally does. You're just nerding out. 
I'm, I love the ability that you have as a skier, at least out here. I'm sure they do it on the slopes up there too, where you can just, you know, take your crappy skis, but you go to the pro shop on the slope and they'll let you demo anything you want. Yeah. And, and that's a great way to spend a day because you can ski on equipment that you can never afford, but it's beautiful <laughs> equipment. Right. And you know, it, it gets the, it gets the incentive <laughs> put strongly in your place where you're like, Oh, someday I'll own that ski or that boot, you know, whatever that piano and, uh, that piano right mm, which is dangerous as we both know <laughs> oh, incredibly dangerous i mean decent pianos are upwards of six figures now it's really ridiculous i just liken it to instead of a ferrari i'm just gonna go for my you know steinway or whatever the heck i want i don't even know if it's a steinway that i really want but i want right? any more an epic grand you know like I definitely want, an epic grand yeah huge. But maybe we should just talk about great pianos we've played <laughs> i could spend a whole hour on that uh, we could spend hours on lots of things. You know, one of the other things I, I did want to talk about with this, the singing bowls, because I've had yeah. so many experiences with these singing bowls now that, um, there there's, there's absolutely something going on and, and different experiences with the Tibetan, uh, metal bowls versus mm-hmm. the crystal bowls, um, both very healing. Um, but I've been getting actually, you'll really appreciate this. I've, I had an experience last week getting a sound. Um, I'm so fortunate here in Vancouver. I mean, (laughs) so many sound healers out here. A lot of them are new friends of mine. So I'll get invited over to hang out and then inevitably a sound healing just kind of happens. And so, and I'm like, I'm just, I'm like, I'm I'm down anytime. It's like, kind of get a hit of that, those good vibes. <laughs> Anyone got some, some bowls passing around here? Really? I'm in. Better than a fax, you know, On, honestly, better than any medication in, in my mind. I mean, it, of course it's all relative, but it, it really does stuff to things that are nonverbal. What I find I like about sound healing is it reaches all the areas that there's just no amount of logic or talk therapy is going to get you there. It's, it's all yeah. subconscious under the surface frequency stuff going on. And it just gets right in there. And I feel like it's like, um, it always feels like a deep scrub. Like someone's gone into my brain and just like, you know, with a big, like cleaner of some kind vacuum cleaner scrub kind of thing. And just, you know, goes in there and just cleans out all the crevices and all this stuff of like, um, energetic frequency kind of gunk that we accumulate. And these bowls just resonate that away. But my experience I wanted to run by you was actually, I was lying down. The bowl was very close to my head. Um, and then my friend Sushila was singing over top of that. And her voice did this. There's two things that happened. First thing was that I started to hear her voice in harmonies um, all at the same time, not really any delay. It sounded like she put on a harmonizing effect through a vocal pedal. Of course, that was not happening. This was all yeah. no pedals, no nothing. And so first of all, I was hearing her voice five times in five different harmonies. So it was like five Sweet. of her happening at once. I was FYI sober. This is yeah. not, I'm not on a psychedelics because I could totally become more of an auditory, you know, maybe hallucination or, or experience on, on psychedelics was not the case. I was sober. And so I heard her voice like five times over duplicated almost, but then, but harmonized. So there were different notes, um, harmonizing. Was it, with um, overtones or it must have been like an overtone it, it must have been but it like it, triad harmony where you got like barbershop harmony well kind of yeah like i mean the, the harmony was less um probably major more of like a minor almost you know middle eastern scale sort mm-hmm. of kind mm-hmm. of vibe right um but but so there was that weird effect which i could not figure out how that was happening to me sonically in that moment the second effect that happened was i got these natural binaural beats where i started to hear um with her voice there was this like you know she'd sing and then it would be like like that kind of a thing going yep and then uh and then it's the same with the bowl the bowl has that like sort of sound and then it would start to go like distorted, like, and like have this, but it was going into my brain and moving from left to right to left to right in this really intense frequency sort of pattern. And again, it felt like this really intense neurological deep scrub yeah, <laughs> yeah, going on. And I couldn't figure out how that was happening, but it was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. It's happened twice now getting a, a sound bath. So well, I think you're onto something with the yeah. binaurals there because, you know, whenever a frequency cancels out another one, and leaves emptiness and space, you get the binaural effect. So that's right. Um, 
and, and I've seen this, this frequently happen where uh, someone will lie on the floor and the bowls will surround them and they're played like very close to your head, for example, um, to create, I think that binaural beat that, that, I mean, it's such a lousy term, right? It does describe it, you know, physically it tells us what's going on, but the, the sensations, like it's like a phasing or like a, a, sh a, a an oscillation maybe is a yeah. good word. Yeah. Um, and again, it's that, and you feel it literally going from left ear to right ear, but it, it, I felt it going through my brain, like yes. through the whole part of my brain, left to right, left to right. So it was like a sonic um, windshield wiper. Yeah. <laughs> going, yeah. Whoosh, whoosh, kind of like a, back. a flow state of just energy. And, you know, I'm, I'm not yeah. a Tibetan bowl expert, but when people talk about them, the people who, who have studied and really learned them, they refer to them as things like energy vortices or energy amplifiers. And, mm. um, and this, by the way, is only true, I'm told, for the ones that were actually made in Tibet. Um, there are newer ones, of course, they're manufactured. And, and if you're into this kind of stuff and you know about it, you really hang out for the ones that are authentic, the antique ones, right? The ones mm. that were made hundreds of years ago, right? Um, they apparently have more of the... Um, I don't even know how to how to describe it. Healing qualities, obviously, than the ones that are mass produced or relatively more mass produced today. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not to say that you can't get any anything off of those because you know sound is sound and it's going to work. But the old ones were the ones that sort of imbued with spiritual healing capability, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's not surprising that you would have the experience that you did of of feeling the energy move. Uh, especially the bilateral stimulation that goes along with that binaural beat thing. Mm -hmm. And it was so pronounced, which is awesome because in that space, they tell us science tells us, they don't know how it works, but they know that that's a great state for doing uh, deep work, emotional mm -hmm. work, mental work uh, takes place. The EMDR is what I'm thinking of right now, that eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing long-term for very simple thing. But while they don't know what's happening, why, why it works. They know that it is that left-right thing across the corpus callosum mm. that you are feeling. Um, but internally, uh, I don't think science can explain how we get that um, sensation. It's kind of like, um, what's it called? There's a form of chiropractic where the chiropractor sets up an oscillation along the spine. And um, NFT, I think is what it's called. Okay. Um, don't remember what that stands for, but the idea, I mean, I've watched this and I've experienced this myself. You go into the clinic and there's all these people, the chiropractors sort of dancing around the room, doing these weird hand movements and stuff and touching people lightly in different places. And everybody on the table is like flopping around, you know, and it, but it's a rhythmic sort of a thing. It's like the spine is undulating in rhythm. So I have a feeling that this left to right thing is also an up and down thing. Mm. And that it's, it's possible to trigger both of them somehow. Which, are, which is a very healing thing for, um, for us physically, mentally, emotionally, and of course, spiritually. So um, yeah, the experience that you've had just sort of resonates for me. It's like, yeah, I want that. Look, you know, let's all do that, right? I just you pictured, know, um, sorry, I just pictured energy going down our spine when you, when you talked about the up and down component. It's like left and right was going through my brain, through the ears. And then when you sit up and down, I just pictured all shooting down my spine which is a, of obviously a huge pathway for lots and lots of energy, all our chakras systems and, and things like that are all on the spine. That's where the Kundalini energy yeah. supposedly is as well. Um, so that that's, that's interesting that you say that, you know, it kind of gives like a whole full spectrum resonance, I guess. Yeah. So up, down, left, right, let's, you know, it's three dimensional or maybe more, mm, probably more, let's be probably, probably more yeah. and um, you know, go, I also think it's a lot about the intention of the player, like Reiki, right? Yeah, for sure. So once you've been trained or opened, I think it's a better word for it. I was open. Once you're open, the energy flows. Um, and I think for Tibetan bowl players, who are the healers anyway, uh, that that's been part of it too. Like part of mm. their opening is to be a conduit for this and to create the kind of sounds that allow the energy to flow. Mm. Not that it's flowing from the player to the patient, but that it's just flowing in the room, right? You set up the environment and, and the energy flows and you're the custodian of it, but you're not the um, creator. The players are so important. I, I think we, we like, it's easy to sometimes science is science. So sound is sound. It's like, yes, it is, but 
there's a big butt, you know, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the, the practitioner, the performer, the musician, whoever it is, is so their energy is still a part of that situation. And whatever is coming through them is still coming through them. They are that vessel that's carrying, you know, um, this beautiful healing music or, or sounds, but it's really up to them and how they're going to express that. How much are they also getting out of their own way in that experience to allow like, you know, the most intuitive kind of healing to happen. And then, you know, what's their intention and, and what kind of frequencies and like, where, where are they at on a, on a mental health level and all that kind of stuff. And where, where that freak, like they're like, they, everyone has a frequency at any particular moment and that frequency, whatever, during the performance, their own frequency is going into all the other frequencies that are happening too. Right. So there is definitely a big part of, of the uh, performer involved as well. The other cool thing to think, uh, I was just thinking about uh, with the crystal healing bowl specifically Mm, is it's crystal. And with crystal, my, my ancient mysteries brain goes, goes haywire because crystal is, you know, it's, it's a big gateway into kind of rediscovering some ancient high tech back in, well, ancient times, because yeah. a lot of things were built with granite and crystal and infused with crystal. And we just look at that as, oh, that's just old stone building. And it's like, well, okay, that's one way of looking at it. However, if we look at, let's say Silicon Valley, just right there in California near you, silicone, right? Where does silicone come from? Crystal, right? So if silicone comes from crystal and everything that we have in our, every electronic, every computer system, everything that we use today is considered modern technology as crystal has crystal in it. Old radios were crystal radios on film sets. When they're recording uh, all the sound, that sound gets sent to what's called a clock, which syncs it up with all of the images being filmed. And that clock is synced by a crystal. So there's still really high tech stuff that we're using crystal for. It's called piezoelectric energy and crystals can generate energy and they can store data. That's the two huge things about crystals. So to then bring it full picture here, I'm like, okay, crystal healing bowls, what you were mentioning about people imbuing, imbuing their vibes, feelings, emotions, and, and good intentions or not good intentions, whatever it is into, well, everything, every object we can imbue all those emotions into, and then um, they become, you know, um, uh, what's that word? Not a uh, artifact, but a, um, not a Mandela, but a- um, I was going to say a hologram. Yeah. Hologram also, also can work. I was thinking of the, uh, there's an old ancient term though. Anyway, it's not coming into my brain right now. Um, when you imbue any object with um, meaning, essentially, it becomes a yeah. talisman. A talisman. talisman. That's it. A talisman. That's that's the one. Okay. Whew, that was going to bug me. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so yes, everything can become a talisman in theory, but a crystal healing bowl is made of crystal. Therefore, it's actually storing frequency information. Maybe it's storing emotional information. Maybe it's you know. So I'm wondering with the crystal healing bowls, with those, I I I, I find more of myself drawn to those. Um, that's just my personal experience. I know I have lots of friends that are much more drawn to the Tibetan bowls and stuff like that, but I love the crystal healing bowls. And I think there might be some, something to do with the whole, uh, you know, crystal storing memory, storing information, all that kind of stuff. And I, I'm, I like that. So I would, I kind of want to tap more into that with the crystal bowls. I, I, that's just a thought, real random kind of thought that I throw no, in there. It, it makes sense because, um, when you start to think of yourself as a repository of information, a lot of it is at the atomic level. Um, doing healing at that level is an entirely different thing than talk therapy. Like it's yeah, worlds apart, right? So mm-hmm. if you want to work at the molecular level, at the atomic level, or even the subatomic level, um, that's when it gets really fun. And like all of the other healing stuff that's out there from medicines to chanting or whatever, We've got to find the thing that resonates for us, right? Yeah. And the fact, I'm not surprised at all by the fact that you resonate for crystal healing bowls versus the Tibetan. I, I even hesitate to call them healing bowls because it's like the, the crystal bowls versus the Tibetan metal bowls, right? Yeah. Um, that doesn't surprise me at all because just like there are people who prefer like pot to um, ketamine. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like whatever works for you is the right thing that you, you pursue that, right? Yeah. Don't, don't be all concerned that, you know, antidepressant Y 
doesn't work for you and antidepressant Z does. <laughs> yeah. What the heck, right? If you're getting a result, the idea is to become conscious of the result and then to chase that until it until it shifts and then chase the next thing, right? And mm -hmm. just keep going with that. Um, I, I just, as a, a user of crystals myself, I find it's really important to cleanse them. Mm. And um, because they store, right? So you want to yeah. start your, your process with something that's, with a device that's clean, that doesn't have any residual energy in it, or at least as little residual mm -hmm. energy as you can. And of course, if you're sharing those crystals with someone else, um, if, if you use them all the time and they're yours, that's fine, but cleanse them before the other person uses them. Cleanse them again when they come back so that you have a, a clean slate. How do you cleanse them? Oh, well, various different things. So I have, um, I've got in my pocket here. I can show you this. Of course, the oh, listeners awesome. aren't going to be able to see it, but there's a little, um, this funky little spiral is basically a chunk of something that has crystals in it. Oh, cool. And, um, uh, acupuncturist. It looks like a like a little UFO, the, the yeah, size of a size of a size of a quarter there, quarter or something like that. Yeah, and it's got a little copper wire wound into it in a spiral pattern. It's very cool. It's a double spiral pattern. But this was given to me by a chiropractor. No, 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 by an acupuncturist um, when we were doing some energy work. And the idea here is that this cleanses you. So it absorbs, it's a crystal, it absorbs other stuff that's that's in you, and then it eventually needs to be washed as well. So mm. you just set it out in the moonlight, you know, for overnight, and, and that cleanses it. Isn't that weird? Isn't that but interesting, eh? It has to be more like full full moon, I guess, or close moon. to full moon. Yeah. Uh, people bury their crystals in sand uh, that seems to do it. Um, I mean, there's probably an infinite variety of ways that you can cleanse so crystals. You sage, probably. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I I would suggest that if the intention is there and you found somebody with a really clear intention to cleanse a crystal, they could probably do it just That's by true. being, you know, in proximity to the crystal. <laughs> also a good point. You know, and, and if you're starting a business out there and you're the entrepreneurial crystal cleanser, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a business your way. It's like a knife sharpener, right? Right. <laughs> they come down there, ding, ding, ding on the road. Yeah, yeah. Here, let me cleanse your crystals. <laughs> exactly. A little push cart. That's awesome. So yeah, there's, um, there's definitely something to that, you know, like I've, I've had interesting effects with crystals. It was definitely an area where I was not exactly interested and really had no idea what any of it meant. And I knew that in the spiritual community, a lot of people use them and that's about as far as it went for me until I had more um, personal experiences. And then for myself, you know, <laughs> I'm just such a science geek. It's, it's so funny because I'm, I've, I've had such a spiritual, you know, journey in my life. However, it's funny because I used to be in, you know, atheist and like just very, very science oriented, um, non-religious upbringing and all this kind of stuff. And <laughs> now I'm like bridging both worlds because, you know, I'm all about the spirituality. Obviously that's, it, it's, it, it just is, it just is our, it is reality or a part of massive part of it. And then what we call science is kind of making sense of the third dimensional physical reality that we're in. Um, but when I can find science that does support, and there's so much science that supports spirituality, but also things like, you know, crystals, right? Like why do crystals actually do all the different properties that they do? Well, like I said before, there is a whole, like crystals are technology. I mean, that we got to reframe the way we look at these things that grow on planet earth that we find like, you know, in the caves, in the ground, wherever it is in the oceans and et cetera. This is still technology. It's still technology just because we didn't tweak it into making it plastic and metal and yeah. look shiny. You know, it's still technology. Where do we get all of our tech? We base it off of nature. We recreate what we see in nature all the time. So when we build our computers, we've been, we've been since day one building them off of crystals. And then if you look into the ancient legends of, you know, like Atlantis and things like that, they supposedly were a high-tech civilization powered completely by crystal. Um, and that's again, using piezoelectric energy, which we know is a thing. If you put pressure on a crystal, it generates electric electricity and, and actually heat as well. So, I mean, crystals are pretty incredible. So it's funny you mentioned all this because I'm like, oh, I really gotta, I've been absorbing. I find a lot more people's energy more recently going to certain events and things like that. And I'll come back way more depleted and like the next day I'll be more tired. And I'm like, why am I this tired? Like, it doesn't even make sense as to what I've been doing. Well. 
it's because I was absorbing a lot of other people's energy and then not, like you said, with crystals, really important to cleanse them. Well, I think our bodies are no different. We got to be cleansing our bodies in all these different energetic frequency ways, like with a bowl, like I'm going to be buying one in this next, oh, I don't know, six months or so, at least one, because I need it now. I, I, I need yeah. to frequency yeah. clean myself every day. Like, why wouldn't we take a shower every day? We brush our teeth every day. I meditate every day. Why wouldn't I, you know, scrub you know, myself? It, it <laughs> with the frequency. <laughs> oh yeah. You need the, you need the, uh, the neuro loofah. <laughs> so that's for, it, for anybody that's listening to this and probably, you know, there are going to be people out there who are like, Bill, Chris, what are you talking about? What's this frequency thing and all that? Remember the old commercial? Is it live or is it Memorex where they, they had the, uh, like a soprano singing and the crystal glass and the glass shattered when she held the note, right? Yep. So if you match the frequency of an item, uh, you can blow it apart. It'll, it'll come undone. The molecular structure of the crystal will come undone or the building or whatever we've talked yeah, about. Bridge, before. whatever. But um, this is a really important lesson because if you're not conscious of the vibration of what's around you, um, you could find yourself in a place where you need a bath. You know, you really need to, to undo that vibration that's hit you, not because it's bad or anything else. Let's, let's be clear about that, but because it's just not yours, mm. right? Maybe you're not ready for it. And I've had that experience where I'm in a place and the, the energy is so intense that I just don't know how to deal with it. And other people are like blissing out and I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. And then I've been in a place where I'm definitely aware that the energy is, is on a different level than I am. And then I don't want it, but I can't leave. So whatever the situation, you know, cleansing from that is really important if you're in the work. And even if you're just sort of like a novice becoming aware of energetic stuff and frequency and vibration for the first time, it's good. Um, I almost said it's good practice, but I think it's something more than that, isn't it? It's, it's that rinsing process. It's like good hygiene. It's good hygiene. It's it's like good spiritual hygiene. Yeah, or maybe even physical hygiene if it's well. Certainly, I mean, and and that's the thing is like when you're taking a sound bath from some crystal bowls, for example, you're you're you are getting the spiritual cleansing and the physical cleansing because it absolutely moves stuff in you physically. Yeah, they're, Sometimes they're locked together, right? You, oh my god! Like when I had my back pain a couple of weeks ago, I put on certain frequencies. Like so, for the people listening too, like this is where it's now come to for for me personally, where I'm like I get so hyper uh, focused now with my frequencies because I know they all have an effect. Of course, like everything is in a state of vibration. Therefore, we can when you match that vibration, you can manipulate these things. So. For example, back pain has a particular frequency that the cells in your back are now operating in, which is where you feel discomfort. So this is a very common thing. Everyone, most people suffer at some point from some sort of back pain. So when I go onto YouTube or Spotify, though I find YouTube still the best kind of database so far for this kind of stuff to find quick and easy and free, of course, for everyone. Um, and I'll just type in back pain sound frequency. It's amazing what will come up yeah. and tons of options come up. And I just, I honestly, this is the only way that I, I vouch or not vouch, but I um, screen, I guess, what, what I want to listen to is I just put it on and I listen for like 10 seconds and see if it's doing something. And if it's not, try the next track, you know? Exactly, right? It's I mean, like you said with the practitioner, depends on who's putting it together. Sometimes some are better than others. Absolutely. And some are better for some people than others as well, right? And you know, it's a matter of uh, degree. So, um, we all know about the autism spectrum. Things are starting to be described as a spectrum, right? Yes. Rather than as a point disorder. So the spectrum of healers out there is, is vast. It's huge. And some of them you'll resonate and some you don't. If you're not getting it with a particular modality or healer or whatever, change the channel, right? It, it doesn't mean mm. that that's bad. You're just looking for a match. And we are hardwired for that. Like if you, once you become aware that you can do this, it's really kind of cool. It's like um, kinesiology. Everybody can do that. It takes a little practice to become aware of it. But when you know about the, like muscle testing and how to, you can muscle test yourself and you can muscle test decisions that you make. I voted once by muscle testing. Hey, that's a, actually what happened, right? Yeah, I like the muscle test. It actually right? really trips me out how accurate it is. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? It and, is. And you know, it's the same thing with frequencies. And, and um, perhaps it's a good time to address the whole thing about higher frequencies, right? People like to think of higher things as better and lower things is not so good. And, yeah. and um, I, I, coming from the standpoint of a musician, I always think to myself, well, if I, were, if I were restricted on the piano of only playing the high frequency notes, 
I'd have a very limited range of things I could play. Yeah. I need the low frequency notes. It's like it's part of the balance of the whole mm. thing, right? However, there are certain specific frequencies, like we talked about with right frequencies, or you're talking about with your back, where you you want to tune in to those specific ones that do it for you at that moment. Like you're dealing with cancer cells, there's a frequency for that, right? It's pretty high. We can't hear it. You know, it's beyond our range of hearing, but it works. It doesn't mean that that's an ultimate frequency because the 40 hertz frequency of, you know, supporting our memory is a pretty low frequency, relatively speaking. And it has this marvelous purpose too. So I, I, I'm saying this to sort of set up the conversation around if you're out there and you're questing for higher frequency or higher consciousness or whatever, don't be too constrained by the term high and the term low, because what you want is to find resonance, mm-hmm. find where you vibrate, where you resonate for whatever that is. doesn't matter if it's a low sound or a high sound, right? It, it, but your resonance does matter. And the fact that you resonate on a low frequency doesn't mean anything's wrong. Right, it's that's the the frequency that you need. The fact yep. you resonate on high frequency, the frequency you need it has nothing to do with your consciousness. Is you know you could have a very elevated consciousness and need some very low frequency work. Yep, <laughs> a thousand a thousand percent. Well, we got, we got what we need to be careful of is our English language because it yeah. is so limited. And it's actually I was uh, listening to a fantastic uh, talk by uh, Dr. Greg Braden about language and how he's done some really amazing research on different indigenous tribes around the world and how their language is so different in terms of how it explains reality. And I won't go into this as a whole other conversation, but like it, what the conclusions were basically that our English language is actually limited to the third dimensional reality. And it doesn't even come, it literally isn't designed to explain things of any higher dimensional um, realities essentially. And also it, it explains things from a basis of separation, an assumption that we're all separate, that nothing is connected. And it's actually, it, it bleeds into the language in many, many ways. And again, these indigenous languages are completely connected. So the way that they would describe, you know, if I'm like, oh, look at uh, that seal in the water over there, they would say something like that. Again, I'm going to translate something that is 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 not going to do it justice because it's in. I'm saying it in English, but something to the effect of if we say it in English, look over there. There's a seal in the water. It would translate in the indigenous language of, um, like the water and the seal are one or something. Instead yes. of it being look over over there, instead of the separation, it would instead be- of the separation, it's like it's all oneness essentially and the way that you would describe that situation would sound completely different in that language because you're coming from an assumption or a basis of connectivity rather than uh disconnection which is where english comes from so you know once again when you say oh i'm feeling this is something i've almost removed entirely or i try my best to is removing good and bad because when i'm like how are you feeling today i'm like i don't know I don't, i'm not feeling great today feel kind of bad would be the old word I would use. I'm like, well, right. Yeah. First of all, if I'm feeling, let's say low energy and maybe we'll call it even low frequency, that means that my, I'm processing something and I'm going through a, a, a place of perhaps rest and rejuvenation. And so my body is naturally going to be vibrating at a lower frequency because it needs rest rejuvenation to process whatever I'm processing. I'm just using an example here, but that's one very good reason as to why you might feel a little down one day. And is that so bad? No, we can't always be in constant bliss. I mean, maybe when we exit this body after we die, apparently that's what it seems to be like. And that's cool. I'm, I'm down for that experience later on, but like right now in this current physical reality, you know, we have our ups and downs for a reason. You know, we can't, when we're down, this assumption of it's bad, it's negative, or this idea of lower frequencies being a bad thing. I'm not ascended. I'm not super spiritual if I'm feeling low vibrational today. No, it's it's actually all a part of it. We have the yin and the yang, the good and the bad, the dark and the light, and you know, man, male and female, et cetera, day and night. All this duality is, is there for a reason. So I guess uh, maybe to summarize, I'm just thinking like, you know, the language is got, you got to be really careful with the language that we use with how to describe, well, what kind of frequency do I need today? Oh, I'm not feeling great today. So maybe I'm just feeling depressed. No, maybe you're not necessarily depressed. You're just, 
processes, you're processing something and you won't be able to probably articulate what it even is that you're processing. You know, I've been finding recently, I've been feeling certain ways and I'm like, I have no bloody idea why I'm even feeling like this right now. I can't logically figure it out, but guess what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to play some music, play some sound frequencies, maybe type into YouTube how I'm feeling and put sound frequency beside that and see what comes up. Maybe I'll play it on the piano. It depends on how I'm feeling, but I'll do something frequency related about it because it will get into those areas that I can't, I can't articulate. I can't even logically think what the hell it is, but it's there because I can feel it. And those frequencies, man, that's where they work best is with, with the things that we can't even describe or explain. I find it's really good for that. Yeah, language is such a clumsy thing, isn't it? I, I love. I, yeah, we should put a link to the to the uh, Greg Braden talk uh, somewhere in the in the show notes, but people can find it. I mean, it's Braden's hard, Braden's easy to find. He's easy to find, but this came from a specific um, podcast that I love called Earth Ancients. It's all about ancient wisdom and ancient mysteries. And um, I'm going to make a note right now in our podcast new to put that. So it's going to be a link to that podcast that I was listening to. Sweet. Greg, yeah. Greg Brennan, and I'll put a note in the show notes. People can skip to like, you know, probably 20 minutes in where it gets good. But um, anyway, I'll make those notes in the show notes because I am also being for the listeners and for you, Bill, I'm also going to be way more due diligent on keeping notes of the things we talk about so people can get more links in the discussion in the in the thing below so i'm i'm staying up on that anyway absolutely hey if you're listening and, and there's something that you heard that you want us to provide a link for do that we'll just drop it in the description on youtube and and then you yes. can get it Great, so this yeah. this language thing this this has been really bothering me um language of course is hard because you have to describe spiritual stuff using physical terms and poets are great about this, like looking for the concrete image, right? That mm. image that is so grounded in reality that's at the same time so spiritual, or at least it opens you to the idea of, of, of a bigger thing. Um, I can't think of a poem off the top of my head right now, but any poem that you read, if it doesn't have that component, check it twice, right? Because it, it may not be poetry. <laughs> I mean, uh, the first quick thing that came to my mind as an example but it would be like Rumi who's, you know, he, one of the yeah. things he said that I always loved were, you know, the cracks are where the light comes in, meaning, you know, the things that we call our faults or our traumas or our wounds, those are the, those are the places where we find the light, you know? So you find yeah. the light in the shadow, which tells you again, it's just a reaffirming message on the shadow work or doing work on those really difficult traumatic parts of your life. That's, that's where the real development happens. So the cracks are where the light comes in, I find is a great poetic way of describing it. Cause you're right. We're so limited. We're so limited. Language. Um, isn't it the, um, in the Jewish tradition, the Torah has like five levels of meaning. And only one of them, the first one, is literal. Mm. And then you you just have to sort of descend through the levels of meaning to get to what it's really after, which is, of course, why all the rabbis are so intrigued by the thing and talking about it so much to in, to uncover what those levels might be. And um, that's even more remarkable, too, because when you think about those ancient languages, like the, the language uh, on, in which the Tao was written, mm. right? So in that language, which is infinitely, I think, more spiritual than English, um, and certainly not constrained by the, the, the noun verb kind of things that we have, which are a separation right there. Um, can you imagine what it must have been like to hear the early teachers speak in that language of these things that we only now have this clumsy transliteration of in English? Um, I, I have a friend who's a preacher, a Christian preacher, and he's very into the Aramaic Jesus, the Jewish, the, the, you know, the Jewish man who lived at that time and spoke in these words. And, and mm. the, the trouble of translating out of that kind of spiritual language into a more uh, grounded English language is, is huge. And, and so much of it has been lost, of course, along the way. Lost in translation is what we say, because yep. it is. I mean, you cannot adequately convey the metaphysics of a concrete thing <laughs> Even in the language that it's in, let alone translating it like from Aramaic to whatever, Hebrew to Greek to English. I don't know how that went because I'm not a Bible scholar, but it's a fascinating thing. And uncovering the beauty of what is meant is something that I'm, I'm really concerned about, especially because of the insistence of Google on having language that is, that is constrained for computer consumption. 
Yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever written a poem that's um, SEO optimized. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure not. (laughs) Right. And yet Uh, there are writers out there who are popular and they're popular and people read their stuff, not because it's optimized, but because it resonates. Yeah. When Google figures out how to <clears throat> like grok language that resonates, mm. I'll be on. But until then, I'm ignoring everything about SEO. <laughs> right? Yep. I also if, bypass Google. I use a different search engine called Ecosia. If anyone's ever heard of it, um, you plant a tree every time you uh, search actually E-C-O-S-I-A. That's another thing I'll put in the link. It's got nothing to do with sound music here, but um but it's, it's an improvement of consciousness. But, and that's where it fits in. <laughs> right. So um, I mean, we need to plant trees. The world needs more of them anyway. And it's a really cool initiative. It's also a B corporation. B corporations are really, really interesting because they're allowed to profit. They're allowed to make money, but all of their financial um, records and stuff are public. And like every, basically it's full transparency. They can't really hide what they're doing. So they get to tell you where the money's going and you can look at their, they, I think they have monthly financial forecasts. You can look at on their web. Um, Jane Goodall is a huge in, endorser of them and it's pretty cool. So it's a search engine. Every time you're searching, you plant a tree or at least you plant like half a tree or something. Anyway, it's a pretty cool thing. So Ecosia, E-C-O-S-I-A. That's awesome, man. I'm going to change. Awesome. No. That's, it's time we had more options than, um, well, remember when when Windows was new mm-hmm. and the only thing you could get to work was Windows Explorer, whatever it was called back then. Yeah, and, the uh, web browser, yeah. Yeah, the web browser. And now they're ditching Explorer finally. But um, why be locked into something that everybody else uses if your whole purpose in life is to advance consciousness? Mm-hmm. You know, why stick your foot back in the quicksand every time you want to search for something when there are alternatives? There's alternatives for everything. And that's the beauty right now of the day and age we live in. There's alternatives for everything. So if there's stuff you're doing there, you're like, I just don't really like how I'm doing that, you know, then just, well, look it up on Ecosia um, and, and, and see what you have out there. Same with sound, all the, all the healing modalities we're talking about, you know, find, find what really gets you going. It might be none of these things. You might really get into Tai Chi. You might really get into Qigong, like, movement-based types of medicines in a sense, you know, Um, like I was talking to you about last week, dance, you know, that type of therapeutic movement, I find so, so incredible. I'm just going to meet myself for a second. We got a siren coming on here. That's all good. All good. We're, we're so, um, we're so raw and and authentic here. Even the sirens and the dogs barking and whatever other noise is going on in the room. (laughs) (laughs) I was making a voiceover yesterday and there was like, this cartoon playing on the TV. And I thought, you know, I'll just leave that in. But ultimately I didn't. And of course the universe came along after I'd asked my teenager to, you know, mute the thing and supplied other noises. (laughs) (laughs) There's a dog barking. There's a helicopter. There's a siren. It's like, you know, come on, you know, I'll just go with it. It's all good. You're living in the city. I've all my friends who work in voiceover and, and musician friends too, who are always looking for silence to record. I'm like, I mean, you can do a lot of things with sound dampening or move into the wilderness. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Right. Right. You know? And I guarantee you the wilderness is always going to sound better because you just, you're, you just have so much less to compete with and it's super peaceful. Like I, I really look forward to having a, a studio in the middle of nowhere. One day I might probably go in with a couple of other musicians and just have this, you know, middle of the nowhere, beautiful studio where it's just silence and tranquil nature. And imagine what you create there. Cause that goes back into environment playing a huge role in um, the creation, you know, the, like you're saying, those ancient Tibetan bowls where who, like in the past, especially in more distant past, we built things differently. We, we did things with so much different intention, probably a lot more intention at that time was put into it with um, the knowledge of like, oh, if I love this thing, this, this device will feel that love. Well, we actually know that now through, again, some scientific experiments that that's totally valid, but imagine that same idea, but for the cathedrals that people would worship in or the temples, right? Where thousands of years they may have been around for, where people have imbued it on an almost daily basis of love, grief, sorrow, happiness, bliss, everything else in between. 
And so these places, when you walk into them, there's a reason why they're so awe-inspiring. Yeah, the architecture typically is all the sacred geometry and it looks utterly gorgeous, but then you're feeling the frequencies and the emotions of all of these people who have through centuries or millennium just poured their heart and soul into this environment. And then that's what's picking up that place, which you can't recreate. Like me meditating in an ancient temple doing the exact same meditation back in my apartment here in Vancouver, ain't going to be the same. Yeah, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I've had that experience um, with three. I think I've been to three Heiau, uh, the holy sp- places on the Hawaiian islands. Oh, amazing. And it's really weird. I can't explain why I'm so drawn there, but whenever I am anywhere near one, I make the effort and go and just be in the place for a little while. And I think it's because of that. It's because those are places where, People have brought their sacred um, selves mm. for centuries, and that energy doesn't leave. You know, it's you enter that in a very conscious way when you're there. It's not just a big park or a beautiful cliff. You're actually going into a temple, which in Hawaii is basically just either flat rocks or an open field, or maybe it's surrounded by a jungle and a clearing surrounded by the jungle. But the energy of that place is so present. Um, oftentimes I leave energized and sometimes I'll leave sort of sad, you know, yeah. some Depends melancholy mm-hmm. and, um, mother Kauai is, is my favorite Island. And I think it's for that reason, it's because there's some connection there that somehow, re- uh, works for me, you know, like you've just dis- discovered that you need a crystal bowl now because that works for you. Right. So it's, it's like, what a wonderful thing to be in that place. I've had that experience in cathedrals too, Gothic cathedrals. Mm. I don't think I've been to anything older than a Gothic cathedral. You probably had that in the pyramid. Yeah. Well, you know? Egypt was activating on so many levels and yeah, yeah, the healing. And much like you said, sometimes I'd leave being like, wow, it's actually pretty overwhelming. Sometimes I'd leave with the most, I remember the temple of Hathor, which is, she's the goddess of like, well, basically unconditional love and like feminine, you know, um, Basically, yeah, feminine maternal love, essentially. And you walk into that huge temple. I mean, the ceilings are like 40 feet high. Like, I mean, I mean, not 40 feet high, 20 feet, 25 feet high, massive. You start to also recognize like, wow, this is where every other temple almost in the world was based off of this temple. You can really see yeah. like where everyone got their ideas. But you walk in there and it was like the warmest frequency hug, you know, like I just felt this huge embrace. Uh, everyone just became so much quieter inside. You weren't told to be quiet; it just happened naturally. Everyone kind of just was like, "Wow, yeah," you know. And you just left feeling like this cosmic hug. <laughs> Have you ever great. been in a redwood circle or an oak tree grove? Well, closest for me was here in on Vancouver Island. There's some of those massive trees you can park like a plane inside. Um, so yeah, I've had that experience, but not the redwoods in California, which I would love to experience. That would be a great place to set up a, a music studio, an acoustic music, studio. but in that grove, they grow in a circle. I don't know why. And these massive trees, and sometimes the circles will be 80, hundred feet across surrounded by these wow. giant trees. Um, the other cool thing is when you, when one is burned and you can actually go inside it, not drive your car through it, but actually walk upright into a burn spot on a redwood tree. And you just feel this sense of presence that's, I, I can't describe it any other way. Mm. Uh, the California scrub oak does that too. They'll grow in a circle uh, and all the leaves will sort of compact whatever's in the in between them so that this, the middle of the circle, this empty place, is it has nothing growing there. But wow. it's surrounded and overhung by these oak trees. And it's almost like being in a room. It must feel so surreal. It's incredible very peaceful but also i feel like activating or you know you could oh yeah like kind of like a vortex you know <laughs> yeah yeah cali yeah. is right there right just ready to destroy whatever you bring in that doesn't fit <laughs> so true <laughs> just waiting <laughs> oh man I, that's magical i was i was thinking as you were speaking a little while ago about um our western sensibilities which sort of grew up around repeating other notes that people had written mm-hmm. um it's not true for jazz of course but we sort of get an idea and then we eventually expound on that, make it our own. But in the East, isn't it much different where um, I got to hear Ravi Shankar play once. And right from the start, I didn't get the feeling that he was reproducing anything. 
Now, maybe he reproduced a melody, like there's a, a melody that runs through like the Icaros yeah. or something, like mm -hmm. a motif that people would recognize. But the idea seems much more Eastern than Western to be able to take an idea and just allow it to flow and to go with whatever, wherever it takes you, with whatever your talent might be, to be in that, in that, uh, I'm thinking of, of Rumi again, the whirling dervishes, right? Mm. And the music that would accompany that um, was inspired, but not necessarily inspired by a specific composed structure, mm. right? Mm -hmm. The Western structure of start and finish wasn't mm -hmm. a part of it. It was much more of a, things just get started and all of a sudden we're doing this thing, right? And mm -hmm. then it, and it goes on for a long time. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it, it ebbs and it flows and it does this and it does that. And eventually everybody's tired. And so we stop and we do it again. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, we've spent the energy and then we start yeah. again with new energy. And, and um, that kind of experience, at least it seems to me, Chris, is one that in the West uh, we could, we could be welcome to, we could open more to that and allowing that to take place. And, you know, I kind of think we see that in stuff like raves and whatever, and certainly bands like Fish and the Grateful Dead and whatever, who are mm -hmm. doing freeform stuff. But mm -hmm. that's the way that healing music works here in the West. And to bring more people into contact with that free-flowing, um, I don't want to say unstructured, because it isn't structured. It's just different structure. Different yeah. structure, yeah. Crystal structure. I there don't know. Holistic structure. Yeah. Um, Hologramic structure, or whatever yeah. the structure, it, that, that isn't really what matters, but the experience is what matters. And, and um, it might be new for you if you've never done that before, but seek it out because it's such an amazing opportunity, you know, to, to experience sound in, an, in a new way. Mm. And perhaps a way that's inspiring or maybe challenging or difficult or beautiful, whatever your response to it is, like just go with that because it's just music and it's not going to hurt you. Uh, it's going to change your uh, your effect when you when you leave, of course. But seek that, you know, go looking for it. Whether mm -hmm. it's on YouTube, but now that we're able to go into the room again, um, try to find live events where that happens. If you're listening yeah. to this, you know, because it's a live event. Uh, it, it's so much more. Um, gosh, here we are stuck with Palpable, language again. Our um, visceral, you know, yeah, visceral, like a full it's, body experience. It's very much a full body. Like yeah. when I went to hear Owl City and the it, the beat was so big that it was just making mm. me jump around. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of experience happens in a healing concert too. Mm -hmm. It's not quite as violent. <laughs> <laughs> or aggressive, yeah. Or aggressive. But uh, but it's available. And, and now that we can actually go out and be in the place where that music happens. I do that, right? Because it'll change you in a good way. And I'd say, um, just to add on to that, Bill, I think I, for people looking, you know, like, okay, it might be hard to necessarily find artists. Like I'll tell you, if you come see, I'm sure many of Bill's shows or my shows, you're going to get some nice improvised um, plays with structure. Like I have some things where I stick to a solid structure and I'm very conscious to also make sure that a good amount of the performance is improvised because I want to be um, flowing and channeling, so to speak, uh, at that yeah. very moment for for people too. Like I want them to experience like a real time, you know, improvisational whatever magic that comes out. But um, so I kind of do a bit of a mixture. But for people who are like, well, what's a guaranteed kind of live event that I can get? That honestly, sound baths because my friends who are all sound healers, they have a they have a a bit of a structure that they go by, especially because if the events are, for example, um, we're, we're celebrating the equinox or we're celebrating certain things, like there, there might be themes, right? Okay, well, because of the yeah. themes, they're going to have a particular structure, but it's still very much a structure to allow a lot of free flow because what they're doing is they're also tapping into the energy of everyone in the room and seeing how, where they're at and then adjusting their performance slash uh, practicing, whatever you want to call it, because it's really a bit of both. It's sort of like music and it's sort of like medicine or something that you'd receive with a doctor or a therapist. So with that being said, it really has that feel of it unfolds. And, and as you're likely lying on the ground on a yoga mat, just blissed out, maybe with a blanket on, you're like so comfortable feeling like these amazing frequencies just bathing you. 
it's it's great because you're going to receive that experience that Bill's been saying where you really feel like you don't know, but you feel like people are just making this kind of up as they go in a way, but you're also going to, um, they'll have some kind of structure, but it, that, that I would say is a guaranteed type of uh, sound event that you'll get that improvised sort of feel or like Bill also mentioned, you know, go catch a jazz show. <laughs> yeah, really find your favorite jazz cafe. Just go to a jazz bar, you know. There's got to be, um, I'm got, I almost said Google it, Ecosia, this <laughs> sound bath and mm. see what you can find in your community. They, they probably won't be in venues that you think of as a concert venue, but yeah. I know yoga, yoga studios, studios, very common. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, can, you can get this stuff. And um, most of the time it's not too expensive. If you've never done it before, um, treat yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You know, try it as something new and just see how it goes. It's a treat. It really is. And, and of course you won't recognize the music. So that's another thing too, is an opening to some new experience of sound that you may not have never had before. Right. And, and what an amazing opportunity that has. I always meet cool people too. It's one of those funny things too. So I met my last girlfriend at a sound bath. I met like some really amazing people at these events too, which is of course another beautiful thing of concerts, you know, things like that, where you just end up making friends with strangers because you're really both there for an amazing experience and you get to share that together. That's always fun too. Oh, it's completely amazing. Especially if you're there with someone that you're connected to already. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of the connection that evolves out of a sound healing or a sound bath oh. or, you know, it's so different than a beautiful. concert, you know, it, but it's equally great, <laughs> you know, at, and, I keep saying, you know, but you don't until you've done it, until you've experienced it, you don't really get it. Mm. And what a wonderful thing it is to do that. Whether you're, you know, playing for it, which is also um, like, I felt that Ravi Shankar was participating in his own healing <laughs> as he was playing the thing, right? That's you cool. That, you kind of get that, you feel a oneness mm. instead of a separateness at these events. And I feel that in Western music too. But I mean, but specifically when the intention is there, Mm. You feel this oneness and that's, I don't know, just part of the beauty of being in the, in the musical space. I think it's oneness. I think, I think we can kind of sum up everything we've been talking about in a way back to oneness, because what we're complaining about with the English language, there's a lack of connectivity with it, right? It's all separation, but with music and these experiences that we're talking about, it all comes back to oneness all comes back to, I mean, with everything going on in the world, it's like we we're categorized and divided on, everything and then more every day and that isn't healthy we need to we need to find all the ways in which we come together our differences are the best part our differences is what makes this so much more interesting and so much more eclectic and fascinating and fun and cultural and interesting and and you know much more color and, and taste and flavor you know that gets added with all our, our differences thank god we have differences yeah i'd be so bored if we were all the same i mean like what what is the point <laughs> what, are you, exactly. what are you going to learn from each other if you have no differences you know we got to celebrate those differences and then find all of our commonalities and one of the beauties of music is it cuts through everything you get every walk of life coming to certain concerts and certain music and especially with sound healing too i mean like you really like i mean what what is that of a genre i don't even know what it is so you, you just get everyone who's curious about it showing it up from all ages and all walks of life and you all experience the universal language of sound and vibration and frequency and that's where we all come back to the same source of creation we're all vibrational beings right so one giant collective vibrating crystal <laughs> <laughs> master crystal the center of the earth you the know? center of the earth <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we're all it. just sort of like poor containers for the ultimate beings that we are anyway so walk mm. your poor container over to a you know crowd of others who are doing sound healing and you can experience some of that ultimate beingness together <laughs> oh yeah it's just nothing but oneness it's that's those are the experiences I'm seeking from now until I transition out of this life. You know, it's the the best. Makes it worth living. Truly, mm. not quite as good as chocolate, though. I'll have to say that there's a <sighs> yeah. vibration about chocolate that's. <sighs> well, that's another episode we can get into cacao and uh, all the amazing stuff that comes with chocolate and cacao and. Oh man, my I have a solid dark chocolate addiction too, so yep. there you go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank you for listening in on our conversation. 
and for taking time to show your appreciation with a like, share, or subscribe. Discussions of music, healing, and consciousness is a practice of spontaneity, and we welcome your comments, ideas, and questions. There are ways to connect with us in the show notes, so let us hear from you. Until next time, this is Bill Protzman along with Chris Noble wishing you great musical health. Samara Huchaya. Thank you.